Hey, you. Thanks for tapping into Untapped Keg podcast, where we talk about sobriety and mental health, where we look at different perspectives so that you can take something, implement it into your own life. We believe there's only one right way to sobriety, and that's the way that works for you. So take your unique journey and run with it. And with that in mind, the guest that we have today is perfect for the unique journey and making it yours. I am very happy to be joined by Paulette Kang. Paulette Kang is a wife, mom, and grandmother living with her husband in Texas. She is a retired award-winning editor of five books. Not your normal grandmother. You can easily find her racing go-karts, riding the scariest of rides at any amusement park, as well as traveling with her husband. Paulette has faith that moves mountains and is dedicated to helping others find freedom from alcohol. And Paulette has a new book that's going to be coming out called Spirit-Led Sobriety. How are you doing today, Paulette? Thanks for joining us. I'm, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. So let's talk about coming to, uh, coming to the decision to write a book about your journey. Um, what was it that brought you to, I need to write this down and then put it out there for people to read? Um, that's a great question. You know, it wasn't like a conscious, I'm going to write a book. It just honestly kind of happened. Um, I hate the word alcoholism, but that's, that's the word everybody knows. Alcoholism runs in my family for several generations. And I am a wife. I am a mom. I am a grandmother. And all of my siblings, uh, you know, it, you know how it is with families uh, that that are raised with this. And I really wanted to document my experience and everything that I learned into a book. I mean, writing is my thing. And initially, I had planned to just publish it and have just enough copies printed for each of my siblings, my husband, my daughter, and my grandkids, and just put it in the Put it in the gun safe so when I'm dead and gone, they'll read, you know, Nami's story. And wow, who knew? <laughs> um, but when I finished it, it was like, this. what if this could help somebody? Because that's the whole point. You know, we don't go through pain and suffering for nothing. If we want to have value in our life, we take what we've learned in the pain that we have gone through and turn around and, and use it to help someone else on their journey, or at least try to. So that's how the book came about. Yeah. And that's, that's beautiful because I think there's so many people that can relate to, well, I wasn't planning on doing this, but as I was doing it, I saw how it could help others not feel alone or um, maybe find an understanding of themselves from a perspective that they didn't even think about. And right. Well, I'm go sorry, ahead. go ahead. No, I'd, I'd love um, to hear. Well, I was just thinking, you know, you, you can think, what does somebody think about me? And like my daughter and grandkids think I just hung the moon. Well, you know what? I didn't. I haven't touched the moon. I haven't even come close. So I wanted to write this book to show my, my flawed humanity and that I made some mistakes and here's what I, you know, here was my childhood. And the more I researched, you know, I'm an editor retired and 
that means I love to research, I love to read, ask questions, go, you know, dig, dig, dig. And the more I researched and learned, the more compassion I would have on myself and anybody else that struggles with this. And so I really wanted to leave it behind. It sounds morbid, but I had planned to just leave it behind in the in the safe. And then uh, while I'm gone, you know, they read it. But um, I just wanted to help people, and I feel like it has value. It's it's not your normal quit lit book, if if I might say so myself. <laughs> that it is not, and that's it's refreshing that you're yourself in it, right? Like having read it and now talking to you, like you can tell that it's written in your voice and that it's you in there. And that is something to be said for how you wrote it and then how you want your story to be told. And I can absolutely, um, you know, I can identify with the showing your flawed humanity, especially to your kids and your grandkids. Cause I have two little boys who are five and four and something that's important to me is to make sure that they understand I'm human and I might seem like I'm Superman, but I also make mistakes. I don't want, I want them to understand that we're on the same level, that I'm not on a pedestal and they can use my wisdom, use my mistakes if they want, but I also have to be okay with them making their own mistakes. And so I completely understand letting people know that you are, you are human and I'm human too. And here's some pieces of my humanity. And that's, that's something that is, it's, it's scary to do, but it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of courage. Absolutely. You can't be brave unless you're nervous or scared. And yeah. that is it. That's what's behind it. Well, and you know, I'm, I'm 65 now and I'm just, I'm on the other side of the hill. I feel 25, which is awesome. But um, at my age, what do I have to lose? Like, what do I really care? What I care is my my daughter and my grandkids do not go down the same path. Can I share a funny teachable moment I had with my granddaughter? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, thank you because this is you might use it sometime with your sons when they're a little bit older. So uh, maybe five or six years ago, my daughter and her family were in town and. I always make a point of spending one day with my grandson and one day with my granddaughter, just just the two of us. So uh, I was I had taken my granddaughter out. She was probably 13 at the time, and uh, we had gone and done our fun thing, and I needed to stop and get some gas. So I pull up to the gas station, and, you know, the outside gas tanks, and it's like 10% ethanol or something on the sticker, and I just thought, I know what alcohol is. It's ethanol. Ethanol is the same thing you put in your gas tank. So I just said, Raina, I want to tell you something. You know, do you see this sticker that says ethanol? And yes, Nami. I said, um, you know, when you, as you get older, you're going to feel a lot of peer pressure from your kids, from your friends to try and drink alcohol. I want you to know alcohol is the same ethanol. Look at that word. Look at what I'm putting in the gas tank. Do you want to drink some of this? And I said, the only difference is it's a smaller percentage, and they have a lot of flavorings and additives. And she's like, no. <laughs> and I guarantee that has stuck with her. At least yeah. I hope so. So Yeah, 
and being honest about things like that is so huge with kids that that does the honesty is refreshing to them a lot of the time because whether we know it or not we do sometimes put the padding on there so when we tell them something that's straight out like that it can be the one that breaks through I love that I love that you're honest and just letting them know that what it is. Oh, I'd lay down my life for these kids. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And I was, I remember, you know, my daughter is, uh, she's 40. I was a single mom for almost 20 years. So we are like thick as thieves. We are thick as thieves and uh, we are a team. And because she just, and I don't say this in a prideful way, but she has a lot of respect for me because she's seen what I have gone through. And um, because she has lived away from me most of her adult life, she never saw me drinking all the time. She never saw anything. She didn't see the fall. She didn't see the bruises, nothing. And I was so scared to tell her about my problem but I did and um, if anything I think it hiked up the respect level so anyway that's a scary conversation to have with a child of any age it's terrifying but it's worth it because now it's like go ahead (laughs) I was I was gonna say it's like the way that we build those conversations up too, right? That they're going to hate me. They're going to, um, <laughs> things are going to go terrible. They're never going to look at me the same way. Yes. And then what ends up happening when we have those conversations is, I would say nine times out of 10, probably 9.5 times out of 10, right? It is the opposite of what we build up inside of ourselves. Yeah. So when you have that, Yeah, and you know what's cool, you know what's so fun is all of that angst, that mental emotional angst in my head, so scared to tell her, there was a, there would have been a time I would have been totally drinking over that to, to, to tone those feelings down, that anxiety and that fear. Oh yeah. I don't do that. I don't do that anymore. Like, that's one of the many joys of being, uh, I call it free. I'm well. Yeah. And I saw, um, you know, in your book, you talked about this naked mind. And at the end, you have a list of resources, which is really exhaustive and really great. And that's something that, you know, Annie talks about in this naked mind. And I think that a lot of the movements that are going on that are different ways of getting um, alcohol free is you use alcohol free and not sober. You use free from alcohol. You you use different words rather than the ones that we have defined with the stigma of like, there's something wrong with me. A hundred percent. You know, I, I can, I'm well now I'm well. Yeah. And what are some, I guess, of new strategies that you've used because with that anxiety that happens and we can get stuck in that loop and that can be, it can keep us from doing a lot of the things that we like. Is there anything that you have, developed or used over the years to help you really bring you back into the moment and out of that um, kind of lessens that anxiety. It doesn't 
go all the way away, but it, it brings it down. Sure. Um, I do, I have like a daily routine. Um, in the morning I will, uh, have quiet time with God. I'll read my Bible and, um, you know, pray about things. Um, I do a lot of journaling. Um, I listen to podcasts. Exercise is huge. Exercise increases blood flow in the brain. It helps your brain be healthy. You make better decisions. Um, I talk about things. The minute I see something coming up, if it involves another person, I just talk about it straight away while it's really low level. Let's not get it hiked up to, you know, full throttle, right? Mm -hmm. Let's just nip it in the bud right now. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Let's just talk about it right now, whatever it is. Um, One thing I've done when I'm angry, um, (laughs) I highly recommend it, and it sounds crazy, but hey, like you said, whatever works for you, if when I get really angry, there's two ways. I either go in my room, shut the door, and scream into my pillow as loud as I can, or I get in my car, go for a drive, roll down the windows, put on Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill, crank it up, and, you know, that's like scream sing therapy. Um, and that really helps. You just have to find what works for you. Yeah. And that is that is key, right? Finding what works for you. Because I do some similar things. So every morning I also journal. If my emotions get very heightened, I will journal. And I won't journal with an intent of what I'm going to write. Just whatever comes out, comes out. And that has led to me writing some short stories, finding analogies, describing my pain in a way that is, or my heightened emotion, it's not always pain, in a way that is, a different perspective that makes it easier to understand for me, easier mm-hmm. to go from the the bridge of knowing and understanding to actually like feeling it, right? Yeah, yeah. And journaling does have that impact. But, you know, one thing that I do is I cook. I love to cook and that helps get me into that. So finding those moments, that album, right, that you're going to listen to that, make that playlist, do what you can. And that screaming into the pillow, as silly as it sounds, it's so cathartic. Just like a good cry. Yeah. Yeah. It's just diffusing, diffusing the deflating the balloon, you know, and just getting it out. And the thing about journaling is you can shred it. Nobody will ever have to know the vicious words or just the heartbroken pain that you're feeling. Nobody mm. has to get it, but you're getting it out of your body, getting out of your mind and your soul. Yeah. And it, it feels different when you start to journal and you're like, I don't want to do this. This seems, this isn't going to work, but you have that moment of when you're journaling and like, this feels amazing. And yeah, it really can take you from like a 12 out of 10 emotionally, you know, pain, anxiety, depression, all of it hitting just this incredibly high level. And it can bring you down to a, a six, seven. And when you're at a 12, that six or seven feels like a three and it Mm -hmm. is a lot more manageable. And that's, that's all it really is, is getting yourself to a point where it's more manageable. And not only that, um, 
one thing that's really been, you know, I, you know, from reading the book that I had been fighting this for almost 10 years and um, it was just definitely, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. But one of the very, and let me also, sorry, let me also say to anybody who's listening, it can feel like you're not making progress. You're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this, but you're still having slip ups. But what I've learned after almost 10 years of fighting this is I was starting to see longer periods of freedom. Yes, I would still slip, but the, the periods of freedom were getting longer and longer and longer. One of the number one key differences for me this time when I stopped and stay stopped, that's what I call it, stop and stay stopped, is how many times do you think, ah, that's it, that's it, you know, and it's, you know, it's not it. Well, it's it for me this time. One of the key things was um, last summer I joined one of Annie Grace's programs called The Path. And the people I met in that group are, I've been a member of a lot of online groups before. But the people in this group, it's like we were all different ages all over the world at the same point in our journey where we really were ready to run naked in the streets. If that's what it took, we would have done it. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm saying is we were ready to just put ourselves out there. We did not pussyfoot around. We cut to the chase. Here's who I am. This is how bad I've been. Here's what I've been through. And uh, there was a time earlier this year, and here's the value of that. There was a time earlier this year where my husband and I went to see some friends in um, the Texas Hill Country, and they are huge drinkers. And um, like 10 o'clock in the morning, they start. And, you know, I've been there. I used to do it myself, right? And I got so anxious, which was unusual for me because I had been fighting this for so long, and I thought I was doing really good. But I was able to go upstairs, get on my phone, get on our – we have a Marco Polo group. We also have – it's kind of like Facebook, except it's called Band. We have a private band group. Okay. I I was able to get on there. And I just put SOS, here's the situation, just like, I mean, just like that. And I've been with these people for over a year, RJ. So they know me. I know them. There's no pretense. There's no nothing. They got me through that period of time. But that wouldn't have been possible if I had not been willing to open my heart, be authentic, ditch the pride, ditch the ego. You know, this is not a contest. And also, uh, I've learned the more you compare your journey with others, that's not helpful to anybody. That puts pressure on somebody else. It makes you feel bad that you've, you know, you thought you were doing good. Look at how good they're doing. Well, what do you do when you feel bad? You drink. Stop comparing yourself. (laughs) Uh, Brene, I don't know who coined this phrase, but Brene Brown repeats it a lot, which is uh, comparison is the thief of joy. And it, it is. It's true. You could be doing so good, and then all of a sudden you look, and you're like, well, I'm not at their level, so this isn't something to be happy about. 
but why? Why is it not something to be happy about? Yeah, yeah. So, 100%. And it's, <laughs> it's really awesome that you talked about the path and this naked mind because I'm a this naked mind certified coach and I am actually Fabulous. one of the coaches of the upcoming path group in October. Um, oh. I just found out a week ago. So I am going to be one of the coaches working with people through that. Thank you. Um, I'm very excited to be able to walk on that journey with people and share my understandings, things that I've learned because yes. my journey has been unique, just like your journey. And as I said at the top, everybody's journey is unique. It doesn't matter how you get to a place of being healthy, of to a place of honestly like this freedom that you feel. Mm-hmm. How you get there is your own. So, yeah. and what you said about, you know, your 10 years of fighting this fight, it really is about just showing up, continuing. And yes allowing yourself to learn the lessons that can be taken from the previous times. Did you try to do something different? Yes. Did it work? Well, not the way that I wanted it to. Okay. That's all right. You tried something different and now we know that different isn't Mm -hmm. necessarily right for you. So let's try something different again. And we Mm -hmm. can look at it many different ways. And that is, that's beautiful. And that's what I, enjoyed also in your book is you talk, you talk about the different ways you talk about the positives that were there and then some things that maybe didn't work. And that's, that is refreshing too, that it's not just, Oh, this one worked. You follow my steps here. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where I think we kind of get stuck is follow these steps and it's guaranteed. And that's not the case. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um. So as you're moving through your anxiety of, and then you, you have this community with people, right? And you talk about this in your book, which is something I talk about a lot as well, which is connection and that power of connection. And I think that that is, people have talked about, it, I don't think it's a secret. That's part of the reason that AA works for so many people. Why different groups work for so many people is, is the connections that you can make. Mm-hmm. So you found that connection with these people online and how much has that been this reassurance? Uh, It has been like a balm to my soul, you know, especially in this day and age where everybody's online, everybody's, you know, staring at their phone and nobody's looking at each other. Yeah. You know, there's a value in looking at each other. And yes, it's a screen, but it makes it a lot more personable. <clears throat> and what we all, it was just, it was very organic. We just all showed up and took down, um, pulled down the walls of our hearts and just showed, here's who I am. Our group, we've gone through uh, breast cancer, we've gone through death, we've gone through accidents, um, problems with adult children, marriages not working out, all without drinking. 
because we're there to support each other. You know, when you go to, like, when you meet somebody for the first time, what do you do? How do you, you know, what do you do? What do you do? Who cares what you do? You know, honestly, yes. that's just really surface level. When you're in addiction and you're seeking help and you join a group, you're ready to just get real. And if you're not, you're wasting your money, period. Um, the, it just, being a part of this group has restored my faith in humanity. You know, the world we're living in is, is crazy. People are, people are so angry and scared of the future and uh, just ready to just pounce on each other. It's just like, man, <laughs> chill down. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what I would do without this group. Love them to pieces. We have daily Zoom calls. Um, when the About a week before the path ended, Somebody created a Marco Polo group, which that's a video app. Think text messaging only, it's video. Okay. And then, of course, the band group. And um, so we have daily Zoom calls at the same times that were held while we were in the path. I'm actually the host for Saturday morning. And, you know, at this point, and let me be an encouragement to somebody else here listening, I would say, RJ, 95% of our group are well. And now when we, we talk on the, uh, on, on the phone, when we talk on Zoom, it's more just touch and base. How are you doing? What are you doing this weekend? But it's the security of knowing because, you know, life is so unpredictable. You know, November 19th of last year, my, one of my older sisters died as a result of drinking. She drank too much. She fell, hit her head bled to death. Her body was discovered two days later. That is what can happen. That is what can happen. And I didn't drink through that. You know, the power of this group caring me, caring about me and caring for me and lifting me up. You just can't, you can't put a price tag on that. So when you join a program, do the work, show up for yourself. You, I think it was Laura McCowan, uh, she wrote in one of her books, nobody's coming to save you. You know, mm. you're a grown-ass person. Save yourself. Yeah. You know? And that's, that's a lesson that's hard-earned, and it's so true, is we look for these people to save us. And when it comes to stopping drinking, making major life changes, right? Oftentimes the first, the reason we're making that decision is for someone else. But when yeah. we turn it and we actually make it for ourselves, because it's okay that it's starting for somebody else. That's, there's nothing wrong with that. But eventually when you realize I'm doing this for myself and then that's going to benefit those people more than me doing it for them, because now I'm actually putting all of this into it. And if I'm my best self, then I get to help allow them to be their best selves. And mm -hmm. that's the, I, you know, I say it often is it's the most selfless, selfish decision that you can make is making that change for you. Mm -hmm. It took me a long time to learn that. It took me, it took me a long time of not drinking to learn that too. Yeah. And it's so powerful when you take that power back. It is. And what I also, um, one of the things I loved about my journey to wellness was all of the, the 
I did lots of different types of therapy, as you as you know, and I didn't realize that they were helping at the time. But once it was over, I look back, it's like, I can handle whatever comes my way. Whatever comes my way. I may not handle it perfectly, but I'm definitely going to make better decisions than I would have with an alcohol-saturated brain yeah. and running on emotions that are hungover and dehydrated and exhausted, you know, and imagining all kinds of things. I mean, I don't know about you, but <laughs> when I was drinking in my drinking days, I would have conversations with myself with other people, I would I would be telling myself what they would be telling me, and then I would be responding to them. All of this in my head, it was like a Broadway play. It was reduced, like Shakespeare or something. <laughs> I don't do that anymore, you know. And um, I love being able to manage my emotions now. That is so key. And the way to do that is put the alcohol out of your mouth. Go to therapy, go to counseling, do the stuff, you know, do the stuff. Don't be yeah. too proud to think, oh, I'm better than that. That's not going to work. How do you know it's not going to work? You know, do you really have it all together that you don't think you need to try that? Good luck. You know, how's that working for you? Dr. Phil would say. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's so, there's so much wisdom in the, I didn't know it was working at the time, but when I look back, I see how it was and how much when we're looking for getting to well, when we're looking for this change, we just want that one thing to make it done. That's not how anything in our life has worked. I mean, if you just look at your job, if you look at a hobby, it took intention. It took these little steps, right? It took the planting of seeds. And then you look back one day and you're like, wow, I can do that in one-tenth of the time. Wow, it doesn't take as much brain power for me to do this same thing that took me, took all of my attention when I first started. Mm -hmm. And the same is true when <clears throat> you're going through therapy, when you're making the change to stop drinking, making a change to uh, stop doing whatever it is that you want, you want to stop doing, right? Mm -hmm. It takes all of your attention to do it. And eventually it just is there. Yeah. And, and the, you wake up. As I say, yeah, the thing you, is like, you don't realize it when it happens. You look back and you're like, oh, actually, right? Yeah, exactly. It's <clears> like, <throat> I, I sometimes I wake up, it's like, I'm really doing this. Like, I'm doing this and it's, it feels effortless. My life is set, my life is a day at the beach emotionally. Every day is a day at the beach. Peaceful, calm. Yes, things do happen. Yes, you know, my husband and I might get have a discussion about that's what I call it. We have a discussion about something. But it's um I know I'm operating for my best self, a clear mind. Um I trust myself so much more. I, I can look at myself in the mirror and not have guilt and shame and especially self-loathing. 
Mm. That was that was my number. Ooh, self-loathing was, you know, there was a point where I actually became concerned with myself. Um, I was never suicidal ever. I would never hurt myself in that way ever in a million years. But it really got so dark and scary for me that I would not want to wake up in the morning. However you want to interpret that. And when I woke up, it would be like, damn, I woke up. (laughs) I have to, you know, damn. Yeah. And excuse my language, but that's really how I felt. And um, I don't know, but you know what? I don't mind saying this. I am proud of myself for not giving up. And uh, for anybody who's listening, if you give up on yourself, well, then you're going to get what's coming to you. You're going to have what you have now or worse. And and if you read chapter one of my book, RJ, would you not agree that it's a miracle I am alive? Yeah, it, it absolutely I is. I mean, think about it. <laughs> think about that scene. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and, I don't want to give – it's like how else can you explain uh, – it makes no sense to me that I'm still alive. After a really, really great decision, I made friends while drinking and taking an Ambien. Um, anyway, it's all good. Don't give and up on yourself. Yeah. That's the that's the crux of a lot of this is the showing up is you're keeping a promise to yourself. Maybe, maybe you're making a promise to yourself for the first time. And when you keep that promise to yourself and it adds and it adds and it adds, that really, that really starts to move the healing, the growth forward is these small. And that's what, what I've really come to understand self-care is for me, it's keeping those small promises to yourself throughout the day, whether that's catching the inner critic that is the biggest asshole you've ever met, like bigger than the biggest, you know, that you've ever met catching them and saying, you know, I'm just like, no, I'm not stupid. Like that was silly. That was, that was maybe not the smartest decision. That's a small promise I can keep to myself. Brushing my teeth twice a day. That's a small promise I can keep my, to myself. There's things that you can do to keep these small promises, whether it's, you know, making a change, not drinking, or just these little acts that you can do. And every small promise you keep raises you up a little bit more. And when you can get Mm -hmm. from that deep depths of self-loathing, and this is one self-loathing, formerly self-loathing person talking to another right now in Paulette. Mm -hmm. And that's when you get up to neutral, when you get up to just being okay with yourself, that feels so powerful because of how low you always were, now you're just okay with yourself and you feel like you can take on the world. And then as you keep more and you start to raise up more, there's, it just, it just continues to build onto that power that you have in yourself. And you start to see what you talked about earlier, that you can handle the challenges. You've always handled the challenges. Mm-hmm. It's okay mm-hmm. that it's not perfect. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, as you know, you know, from reading the book, I had a lot of childhood trauma 
Um, and part of my research for writing it, I learned um, about, uh, it's called ACEs, Adverse Child Childhood Experiences. And there's a quiz you can Google, um, Adverse Child Experiences, and they have a quiz. I scored seven out of 10. So, I mean, I barely stood a chance against this thing once it took mm -hmm. root in my brain. And one of the... Um, there's all kinds of therapy, right? All kinds of counseling. And I don't remember which therapist it was that I saw. But one of the things she had me do, again, I thought that's so stupid, but I did it. I did it. Um, she said, I want you to find a picture of yourself when you were little girl and frame it, value it, and put it where you can see it. And look at yourself as a child throughout the day. And remind yourself, you are going to take care of yourself, if that makes any sense. When I would, like I'm sitting here talking to you, the picture would be right here. And when I would get upset over a phone call or an email or just whatever would happen, I would just take a deep breath. I would look at the, the picture of myself and I would remind myself, you know what, Paulette? You didn't ask to be born into the family you were born into. You didn't ask to have two miserably married alcoholic parents. You didn't ask to be an unwanted child. You didn't ask for any of those things. Nobody taught you how to handle your emotions. And the fact that you weren't allowed to even talk about your emotions, that's not your fault. You're showing up for yourself. You're, we're, I'm going to make sure you're okay. And it's, it's as if I reparented myself. I've, it was like I learned to love myself the way I love my daughter. And let me tell you, I love my daughter. I love her like you just, like you love your babies. Yeah. And uh, when you can show that love and respect for yourself, that's what I think makes it so much easier to, I don't have to be people pleaser. And what you think of me is not my business. I kind of really don't care, to be honest with you. You know, that's freedom. Yeah. To me, that's a healthy, well-adjusted person. Absolutely. And it is, it does feel silly the first few times you do it, but so does everything, everything new, right? And if yep. you just try it, what do you have to lose? Are you at a yep. point in your life where you're so excited and fulfilled and joyful that you would like to continue with what you're doing? No. So why not try it? Because the only thing you have to lose is going back to it not working and going back to what you're doing right now. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like it's that much that you're giving up. And man, the thrill, the thrill of doing something you didn't think you could do, mm. especially when you're scared. Yes. You know, just, yes. just, just F it. I'm doing it. Whatever. It can't get any worse than this. <laughs> I mean, that is where I was at, yeah. you know, quite honestly. And it that worked. That F it energy. Take it. Use it. Who cares where it came from? Use right. it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I believe God gives us the effort energy now and then. Yeah. You know, and, and um, 
So yeah, it's there's the a reason I still like to, I still like to ride the go karts really fast and ride the scary rides and you know life is for living, RJ. Yes, it and is. I'm living more now than I ever did. Even this is an epiphany. I just now had it. I'm living more now better than I ever did before the addiction even took hold because I've cleaned my closets emotionally. I've, I've reparented myself. I've learned everything I need to learn. I have forgiven myself. I have forgiven others. All that dirty hate and it's all gone. All that bad energy is gone, you know? And um, I just, I know if I can get through this and come on the other side, anybody, and I know everybody says that, but I am the winner of the day. If I can get through this, anybody listening to this can get through it. Anybody. Yeah. Just how bad, how bad do you want it? And that's where I think the difference between a lot of the traditional, the traditional ways of giving up alcohol and the newer ones, a lot of the traditional ones, it's around that fear. It's around being scared of who you turn into when you drink or alcohol is there, right? And the newer ones are, okay, let's not, we can necessarily say we don't want to be that, right? But let's look forward to what we can do without it. Let's look forward to that, give ourselves that compassion and that grace that we only had what we had. We worked with what mm -hmm. was given to us. And it's okay that we are where we are because we're here now. And yeah. the yeah. only time that really matters is now. <laughs> right right now we're not guaranteed tomorrow why worry about tomorrow tomorrow will take care of itself yeah you know and you know even if um i never did anything great for the rest of my life being able to wake up in the morning look at myself in the mirror and stay looking at myself in the mirror and not have that guilt and mm. self self-loathing and fear and getting my phone and oh Face, who did I FaceTime? Who did I text? What happened? You know, I don't have to do that anymore. That alone, I am the winner of life to not have to do any of those things ever again. And uh, I just got back. We just got back from a two-week cruise in uh, a Norwegian cruise for our 15th honeymoon. I had no desire to drink. None. And we had the, we had the drinks packet, you know. Yeah, it's just it's when you learn what alcohol is and how it affects your brain and body. It really like the fact that people sell this over the counter. It's just astounding. And uh, I'm I, I'm one of Annie's army. I am out to put the alcohol industry out of business like cigarettes. It's it would when you really take a look, it's like it is it is like cigarettes. And you can start to see things turning in that direction, which is amazing and it's great. And I love to see it. 
Um, another thing too, about you talking about not wanting to drink and going on your cruise and congratulations on 15 years, by the way. Thank um, you. When you live with that intention that you are living how you want to live, you are living right now and you're not giving that energy to the past anymore. You're not giving that energy away to people who already took that from you. So use it for yourself and use it for forward so that you can just be here now. That's what takes away the, I want to drink and I want to get away from my thoughts, what's in my head. I want to get away from the reality, the here and now. And you start to be like, I am, this is what I want. This is, I'm doing what I want. Mm-hmm. That is the power that can really come from this. Yep. Yep. For sure. So Paulette, if people want to find your book or um, they would like to keep up with you, what's the two best ways to do that? Oh, thank you. Um, well, the book is available on Amazon. It's spirit-led sobriety. I have a Facebook community, spirit-led sobriety. Um, my email is spirit sobriety at gmail.com. And I love hearing from people. Uh, no question is too stupid. And what, what you share with me stays with me. And, um, uh, I'm definitely not licensed, trained, certified, anything. I'm not a healthcare professional. I'm not a coach. I am just a, a wife, grandmother, mother, 65 years old, who never thought I would get to this point. And I will do anything I can to help people. Nothing you would ever share would shock me. Nothing. It's amazing when you find people that you get to just be yourself with and you understand that they're not going to judge you. And that is what is special about this recovery community is because we have a glass house and we understand we have a glass house. So guess what we're not going to do? Throw stones. That's right. You're right about that. That, that is something that is, it makes it special, right? I, so to help you describe yourself, um, my friend who was on the podcast and described himself this way and I've used it ever since, described himself as a lived experience educator. And so I let people know that that is what I do. And that's what you do. You're a lived experience educator. And I love that. That way it sounds professional, sums it all up. And you're also not claiming to be certified in anything, right? Right. I I graduate. I have a high degree in the university of hard knocks (laughs) and drink too much. Yeah. I mean, you're talking like to someone one. who, uh, I, RJ, I, I would drink whiskey straight up at nine in the morning. Straight up, dude. No mm-hmm. ice, no water, no Diet Coke, nothing. That's sick. Mm. That is sick. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. I and have nothing the, to hide. That's the journey to wellness that you're sharing with people unfiltered. Yeah. People need to have hope. You have to have hope. And I, I can't say enough about Annie Grace's programs. Um, 
they're not the only thing that worked for me, but they were definitely, they opened the floodgates and opened my mind to all that was available, but all that is available in the recovery community. And the people that are recovering, they're the nicest people in the world. And you're drawn to people that you know are not going to judge you mm. because, you know, judge not lest you be judged, right? So uh, anyway, it's just, it's the best life ever. I don't have to tell you that, but. It really you know, is. It becomes it really, exactly what you want it to. Yeah. I'm on my tippy toes with joy every day. I have Mexican jumping beans in my heart. I get to live. Mm. I get to live. I'm living, not just existing. And I want that for everybody listening. Absolutely. And that's what, that's what I mean when I tell people to move from surviving to thriving, because when you're just surviving, it's, you wake up and, ah, dang it. I wish I was still in my dreams. Whereas thriving is you wake up, what joy can I create today? Yeah. Yeah. Who can I help today? Mm. And before we close, don't you, hey, I'm sure you've had dreams where you were drinking and you wake up and you're like, ah, no, I didn't. Yeah. I think that's part of the healing process because it it makes you so much more grateful when you wake up and you realize, oh, that was just a dream. Thank God that was just a dream. I really think that's part of the healing process. Yeah, it definitely is on that anxiety. And as you start to prove to yourself that you're not going to like that'll, it lessens. So, but I agree with you. It is a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, go out, give Paulette a follow, check out her book, which is, as I said, it, it is, it's unique and it's unfiltered and it will give you perspective into how you can create the life that you want rather than just being um, sort of like, you know, allowing yourself to stay stuck in the life that you have now. That's really powerful. You know what I I found interesting um, about when I was writing it? I know we're closing up on our time here. How I was able to, take the science behind addiction and perfectly balance it with the spiritual component. They really do balance out in their own unique ways and they tie together perfectly. I, you know, I just thought that was really interesting. I was not expecting that. And when it happens, like, Wow, because even AA, which did not work for me, AA is a great program for a lot of people, blah, 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 didn't work for me. But even AA has a spiritual component. Mm-hmm. So when I was able to take the science, take you know my faith and what the Bible says, and like, wow, that's really, really true. It's, you know, when you put science above God, I think that's when the problems ensue. But, I mean, God created all the stuff, including science. There's nothing wrong with science. So my book ties it all beautifully together in a way that makes sense. It gives people peace and hope, and um, hopefully it helps people. That's the whole point. Nobody writes a memoir and, and bears their soul to that degree for money. The book was not written for money. It's written to help people. Yeah, and so. you can tell 
with how oh this God, episode went, back. right? <laughs> and this conversation too, like you are helping people. You are looking to let people know they're not alone and be able to guide them the same way. And that's, that is the authenticity that is in the book that people thank will get. You. So, thank and you. I appreciate that. Well, so, thank you for having me. I appreciate you joining, joining us, Paulette. So again, that's Paulette Kang, the author of spirit led sobriety. And this has been untapped keg podcast where we look at different perspectives of sobriety, mental health, so that you can take something and use it in your life. One thing I want to talk about is I mentioned earlier, I'm a This Naked Mind uh, certified coach, and I have created a course on self-discovery, and it's a self-discovery after alcohol course. So if you're done drinking and now you're like, now what? You can go to untappedkeg.com and look up the course find some more information. Um, you can fill out a form if you'd like to know more and sign up for a conversation with me. That's free hour long. We just talk about you and I'm not there to sell you anything, but the self discovery after alcohol course is self-honesty so that you can get real about what it is that's holding you back so that you can look at the person in the mirror and not necessarily love what you see, but be okay with it because that's the first step. Then the second step is self-exploration where you're going to look at what you want to do in life and not just live a life that someone told you you should want to live. Actually start living with intention. And then the last is self-acceptance because when you start to accept yourself, that's when you start to see the rainbows and unicorns that's life. And once you start to see the rainbows and unicorns, things become a lot more smooth to work through those speed bumps. So go to untappedkeg.com and that is a 12 week self-discovery after alcohol course. Uh, I look forward to having conversations with you. So let's try to be better tomorrow than we were today because at least we don't make it. We tried. Love you everybody. Have a great week.